0: Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible today? Yeah. All right, I want to open up this morning with 1 Peter one twenty-two, where it says this, Now that you have been purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have A sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. We opened up with a scripture last week, and you know, this is a real kicker, if you will, in this scripture, right? Because it talks about not just love, but a sincere love love. And some folks go, oh, I like love more than I like sincere love. But it's like, it it doubles down, right? It goes, not only sincere love, but love one another deeply. Ho, ho, slow your roll. I mean, that's intense right there. Deeply from the heart. I don't know how you get around that scripture. Like, there's just no way to kind of like figure out some other way than just what it says. That is the real thing, the real brand of God's kind of love. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we love you today. And God, we just come before you and say, you're so good and so kind to us. Thank you, Lord, that when you describe yourself in the word, you say, God is love. May we know your love really, really well. And may your love be received in us. And God, may it transform us. And may we love one another. Well, you're the example, Father. Help us to receive from your example, to not doubt your love, to know your love, to receive your love, and may we love others well, sincerely, from the heart, God. We, I pray for all of us, Lord, today to hear something that's specific to our lives today, God, that we would each hear from you today. We thank you for the authority that's in your word, and I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit. God, let what's in your heart be portrayed today. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love how that scripture in 1 Peter just doubles down on this word love. I I find it very interesting. You know, the apostle Peter, when he wrote this scripture, um, he used two different words for love. I don't do a lot of like Greek words and things like that on a Sunday morning, uh, but I find it fascinating that uh, there are several different words in the New Testament original language of Greek that are used for love, and it uses two different ones in this scripture that's trying to double down. And the first one, when it says sincere love, it's the word Philadelphia. You're like, hold on, that's not Greek. That's in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania and a lot of you know hold on Philadelphia the city of what brotherly love that's exactly what Philadelphia means is it means uh, brotherly love and when this particular word is used in a Christian context in scripture it's this idea of this kind of like uh, of affection and love for one another kind of like like you have in your church family, right? Like it's not just, well, I love them because they're a brother or a sister. I love them because I know them and I see them on Sunday and I high five them and I give them a hug. And you know, that like, like I, I know them. I've, I saw, I, I know things about their life and things like that. It's that kind of brotherly love. And, and it's an affectionate kind of love. And some of y'all are more affectionate than others, especially here in the South, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. We can do, we've been doing some hugging again. Um, the other the other word used for love you may have heard of this word before um, is this word called agape when it says "Love one another deeply from the heart and this agape love it's this idea of like unconditional love it's like covenantal love. When I say covenantal, I mean like the decision to love. Like I will always love my wife, like period. I've made a decision. It's not a question of whether or not I'm having a good day or a bad day. This is my decision and my commitment to love and not based on condition, but based on just the fact that I love her and have made that decision. And it's a, there's a sincerity behind it. Isn't it cool that this unconditional love, the way it's categorized is unconditionally love each other from the heart, deeply, right? I mean, that's an intense kind of love. And today, as I continue our very short three-week series on marriage um, and relationships, I want to talk about uh, the love chapter. No, the love chapter is not a romance novel that I'm going to read to you today, although there is a romance novel in the Bible, but we're not reading that I don't think I'm comfortable enough to read that publicly, um, but it's in 1 Corinthians, which is a New Testament scripture, and it's a chapter in that book that is we, we dub it the, the love chapter. Um, and it describes exactly what love looks like. You've probably heard this scripture that we'll read in a few minutes in a marriage ceremony or something like that. You've probably heard this scripture before. Um, first, I want to give you a little bit of context 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. I just, I have to say the love boat. It just feels like you need to say it. If you go, what is the love boat? And that sounds really creepy. It's a television show from, I think, the 70s. How old am I? Um, but the love chapter is, is a scripture that was written by the Apostle Paul. And he wrote it to a church. The church was in the city of Corinth. That's why we call the book Corinthians. And uh, they had a bunch of internal strife in this church in Corinth. And he really wanted the church to be more unified and and working together. The irony is while they they were kind of competitive and immature with one another, they really got the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And by golly, they loved spiritual gifts. I mean, they were all about it. They were prophesying, they were prophylying, they were laying hands and healing people. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on in this, in this church. However, even though they had the, a lot of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation, it was out of order in the sense that there was some selfish ambition underlying, there was some competition underlying, and it really muddied the waters, which I find it interesting that they were operating in gifts of the Spirit and their hearts weren't perfect just as an aside, sometimes we think we're not good enough. When I look in scripture, I go, you're probably fine. (laughs) He will fill you and use you because he wants to touch people. Amen? Anyhow, so there there was some alignment that needed to happen in their hearts about how they were using their spiritual gifts. And that spiritual gifts were meant to be a way to love others through the power of God with prophecy and miracles and healing and all these kinds of things, right? And so In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we'll dive in shortly, it's sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. You don't even have to be like a rocket scientist to figure that out, do you? 13 is between 12 and 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it opens up with, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. I want to teach you about spiritual gifts. And basically, just to kind of summarize 1 Corinthians 12, he says, listen, there's lots of gifts out there, and there's one God. There's one Holy Spirit, and God is generous, and he will give those gifts to you. And he, Paul even encourages, listen, ask for gifts. Ask for the greater gifts. So in this book where he's going to realign, he actually opens up with, don't stop. Ask for more. Isn't that interesting? A lot of times, you know, when we, when we think we're, we're going to correct something, we just stop everything. And, and Paul starts off with an encouragement. Hey, gifts are for everybody. One God, lots of gifts. Everyone should have them. And ask for the greater gifts. Now I'm going to jump over chapter 13 and go to chapter 14. Because in chapter 14, Paul talks about how to appropriately use the spiritual gifts. This is where he starts going, okay, y'all, All right, simmer down. Simmer down. Y'all need to, like, uh, this is the Mike Hennigan paraphrase version, which does not exist. Um, Don't y'all talk over each other, but just, like, speak one at a time when you're in a corporate setting, right? And it says, and this is, again, all in the context of the corporate setting. It says, listen, if you're going to speak in tongues in the corporate meeting to everyone, someone should interpret it because uh, it kind of follows that if you're speaking in another tongue to the whole congregation, they don't understand what you're saying because it's another tongue, right? And so Paul's just being like super practical, like, "Hey, if you're going to broadcast it to everybody, somebody should be um, should be interpreting it," and uh, he. A lot of times, just as an aside, a lot of times people will misunderstand that scripture where he's he's talking about, hey, if you're going to speak in tongues, someone should interpret it. They'd apply it to an individual and they apply it to when somebody's worshiping on their own or like we're in a corporate setting worshiping and somebody's praying in tongues and I ain't talking to you, I'm talking to him and I'm not trying to distract you or talk over the crowd or, you know, I'm just worshiping God and talking to the Lord, right? People will apply it to that Not necessarily with like an evil heart. They're just not picking up on the context of what's going on. And so Paul is clearly talking about how a corporate meeting should operate with honor and respect for one another and that it shouldn't be a big show, right? Um, And the funny thing is later on in the chapter, Paul goes, listen, y'all. He didn't say y'all. He said something in Greek. He said, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all y'all. He didn't say all oh, y'all, but this idea that he's actually all about it, but he's not trying to discourage it. He's trying to say how to do things. So the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is sandwiched in between, if you will, these gifts that are operating in the church and how the church is functioning with one another. And then in that middle, 1 Corinthians, um, let me, actually let me give you the Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to start with the very last part of chapter 12. And it says this, in the last half of verse 31 of chapter 12, and then I'm going to go right into chapter 13. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries of all knowledge and I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. You see, for the the church in Corinth, the doing had become more important than the being. Y'all catch that? The doing of their spiritual gifts. The outward action of look at me and I can prophesy or prophesy and I can lay hands on the sick and I can, I can do these things. The, what I was doing had become more important than the being, the who I am. And it had become more important than who you were becoming. It was about the external things that I do rather than the internal who I was. I kind of wonder when I was looking at this scripture and I was thinking, I was kind of painting a picture of like this this church that had a lot of spiritual gifts and a lot of activity in my mind. They're like swinging from chandeliers in there and just kind of like having a blast at church and that kind of thing. Uh, It was probably a kind of a distracting environment. I thought, I wonder if for some, this is my just kind of curiosity. I can get this answered in heaven. I wonder if for some, the use of the spiritual gifts, maybe it was compensating for some of their insecurities. Maybe it was a way of saying like, I'm valuable because I can prophesy. I'm valuable because I can lay hands on the sick. I'm valuable uh, and I have value because I can do these things for others. And I do think sometimes in our lives, we can do things to help us feel like we're important and we're special. And it's kind of a paradox because it's good to do good things, amen? I mean, that's a good thing. But where do we get our value from We get our value from our creator. We're created in the image of God. We have an infinite value to him. We are precious to him and valuable to him. It's not what we're doing that actually makes us value. We just get to do and we draw out of the value that's already in us when we do. But we don't have to do to prove that we're loved and that we're important. Their spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth, their talents had become more valuable than being Christ-like. You can imagine people prophesying over one another. You know, you can imagine like Melanie was prophesying on a Sunday, and you know, Brenda just kind of pushes her out of the way and says, No, I don't want to prophesy. Be like, yo, she wouldn't do that, you, by the way. Be like, I, I think <laughs> she, said, she said I might. Um, but this concept, like, like to us, that seems a little bit obvious. Like, well, hold on, we're doing a God thing and we we should be respectful to one another. And that's really. The point that Paul is making in the scripture, the doing had become more important than the being Christ-like. I honestly, I don't see our church family as... Operating in that way of being like competitive with spiritual gifts, actually, I find ourselves more encouraging people hey, step out, like you know, go for it, you know, give it a go. You know, we're here for you, we're rooting you on. I think, if anything, we're leaning that way as a church family, encouraging folks. But I do think there's, a, there's an additional application to what we're seeing going on in these chapters in First in Corinthians. We can get ourselves more focused on, um, on the wrong good things. And what I mean by that, they're good things, but we're focused on them and we're focused on doing them rather than the preeminence and the importance of love. What do I mean by that? I mean, we can be more focused on our career than being loving. We can be more focused on accomplishments and forget to love well. We can be more focused on money and the importance of money than the importance of being a loving person. We could be more focused on a hobby and doing something that's really important to us than actually loving people. The way that this would read, if, if Paul was writing us and trying to correct us in that realm, he, could, he would say like, you could be the best in your field of work, but if you don't have love, he could say, you could, be, you could accomplish more than all the people around you, but if you don't have love... Dot, dot, dot. You can make money, you can grow money, you can do things with money, but if you don't have love, none of these are bad things. As a matter of fact, in First Corinthians 13, it was saying, hey, you can prophesy, you can have faith, you can do, these are all good things, but if you lack what? If you lack love, you're missing it. That's kind of what it's saying. It's like, who you are matters more than all these other things. We need to remember love. And isn't it beautiful how he sandwiched love in the middle of spiritual gifts? Hey, we all should have gifts. We should ask for gifts. Hey, if you ain't got love, none of this matters, and you can just stop reading. He didn't say you can stop reading. Then in chapter 14, it's like, all right, let me give you some practical things of how you can operate in a a corporate meeting and be more productive and be more kind to each other. Let me just give you some practical help here. But in the middle of that, he's like, the real kind of message in all this is like, hey, go for it, be that, receive the gifts, do all these things. But y'all, if you don't have love, you have missed the point. I dare say if we don't have love, we've missed the gospel. Because that's why it came. 1 Corinthians 13, continuing in verse 4, it says this. And this is where it gets like, really challenging and inspiring all at once, right? Because we can read this scripture and be like, this is how I want to be loved. But then we can read this scripture and go, oh, this is how I should love, right? Let's read it for a moment how we should love. Love is patient. Some of y'all are like, okay, I, I'm just going to work on that one. <laughs> love, y'all like, would you just keep reading? See, that's what I'm talking about. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they'll cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put away the childhood behind me, for now we see only a reflection as a mirror, and then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known, and all, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. It's really cool because what he does is he then transitions. He says, listen, love never fails. It never fails, but what's going to happen is when you go to heaven, prophecies are going to cease. When you, when you see him perfectly, you're not going to need tongues anymore. When you, you're not gonna, there's so much of this is going to pass away, but you know what's going to still be there with you? Love. Faith, hope, and love. It's like, wow. That's really cool. So when you really look at chapter 12, 13, and 14, is the most important thing the gifts or is the most important thing the love? It's the love. And it's actually what he's trying to do is he's trying to refit their gifts in a way that they're used in a motivation that is pure and loving. God is just so smart when he writes his word. He's so smart in what he, he's really good at being God. The thing that remains is love. You know, as, as Paul described love, it's so challenging because when I think about that First 1 Peter one twenty two scripture where it talks about love sincerely, love one another deeply from the heart. When you begin to bring in that 1 Corinthians 13 view of love, you're like, that is a tall order. But I want to tell you today, it's a tall order for all of us. It's a tall order for all of us. And you know what's wonderful about the Lord? is that he puts his righteousness over our lives and he transforms us all the days of our lives and we just cooperate with what he's doing. Like you are not alone trying to be a more loving person. He is there to help you and to empower you, to give you fruits of the spirit so that you can walk it, walk these things out. You're not alone and you're not powerless in this realm. What we've got to do though is we've got to not lean into ourselves, we've got to lean into him. What I, I want to do is I want to encourage you um, with these, these concepts and say, as you hear them, what are the ones that you go, I want to get better at that. Can I read them to you again? Just, what, I want to be better at love is patient. I want to be better at love is kind. Even to people you don't know. I want to be better at love doesn't envy and it's not boastful and it's not proud i feel like this one is a big challenge for us it does not dishonor others i don't mean that towards one another but i feel like our culture is very dishonoring very dishonoring and i feel like that 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 doesn't win people to jesus and i, I feel like that's an area where we can all grow um, love is not self-seeking Love is not easily angered. I'm not even going to throw that stone because too many we, we would yelp, right? It's like, whoo, that's hard. But man, it makes so much sense. Aren't you so glad that God is slow to anger and abounding in love? See, he's trying to make you more like him, right? Slow to anger, and abounding in love. It keeps no record of wrongs. Man, that's good. That's God's nice way of saying, hey, this is about forgiveness too. Real forgiveness. Love doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. And I love what love does. It protects. Love trusts. Love hopes. Love perseveres. Y'all, if we're going to excel in something, in our marriages and in our relationships, we need to excel in this. Um, We need to let him transform us into his likeness and his image. We need to, to allow him to do that work. And here's the thing, you're not left alone. And for some of us, we're feeling maybe beat up. You're feeling like, man, I, I really fall short on, on several of these. I just want to encourage you, don't don't go there. Cry out to God and just say, God, help me. Empower me. Like, help me when I see it coming that, and I need to, to to shift or to change, like empower me and like give me that pause and work inside of me, right? And just like, like let, let it work in me. For some of us, we've got some really specific assignments. Like you're, you're like, man, I'm not the easily angered. I, like a picture of somebody comes to my mind and you're like, well, then go for it. You work on exactly that. I wanna encourage you this week to uh, take 1 Corinthians 13 and to read that. And like each day, like when you start your day, Just pick one thing from that list that is patient, that's kind, not easily. Just pick one thing and just let that be your thing for the day. For maybe for some of us, it's like, no, I need my one thing for the whole week. I just need to focus on it all week. Go for it. But just go to the Lord and talk to him about it and just say, God, I realize I'm really easily angered and I want you to break that thing inside of me. I don't want you to break me if you can. I, I'd like just to break that if you can. And I'd like to, I'd like to change that. I want to give that to you. I want to, I, want, I want to do better in that realm. Like This is where we want to excel as a people is becoming more Christ-like. You know that word agape, that kind of, uh, I've made a decision to love and it's kind of the decision God wants us to have towards one another and the world around us. It is also the word love that he used when when he says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he so covenantally loved the world, he so unconditionally loved the world that he was willing to give his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Y'all, God is on a mission to save some people. And in the context of everything going on around us, we've got to remember, people are never the enemy. They're always the mission field, right? And our role is the ministry of reconciliation. God is going to handle justice, and God is handling justice through the cross and through eternity. He will handle justice but he has called us to a ministry of reconciliation. And I want to tell you today, if you're in that place where you go, you know, I need to love people better, maybe you haven't received the love of Jesus in your own life. You haven't received that unconditional love. I want to tell you today, you don't need to do anything for him to love you. He already does. But if you haven't turned your heart to him, you haven't said, God, I don't want to be the ruler of my life. I need you to be the Lord And God of my life. If you haven't done that, I just want to encourage you. He is ready to come into your life. When you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, and and, and Lord, give me a new life, He is going to bring His Holy Spirit into your life. And honestly, it's like the colors in the sky are different. It's just life is different when you have God in your life and His Holy Spirit in your life. And I just want to encourage you. He is ready. And if you feel that pull on your heart, to turn to the Lord today, I want to encourage you to just cry out to him today and say, God, come into my life. I want you to be the ruler of my life. Forgive me of all of my sin and help me to walk with you. If you're making a decision like that today and you're online, I'd love for you to go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps because we want to know about that decision. We don't want you to be alone because it's not a decision you make alone. It's a decision that you make with people. Um, If you're in the in-person service, I'd love for you to come and talk to me. And maybe maybe you're in a place where you have followed Jesus, but you feel like you have fallen away. Man, do the same thing. Just cry out to him today. God is not trying to hold you back. He wants to come into your life and be a part of your life. I'm going to close with a prayer this morning. Would you stand with me if you're in the room today? What I want to pray is I want to pray, God, will you help us to allow our standard and brand of love to measure more and more up to yours. I can promise you that everyone online and everyone in this room, you fall short when it comes to love. We all do. We're not here to beat each other up about it. We're here to inspire each other to turn to him and say, God, forgive me, help me. Help me to do better in this area. And I want to challenge you once again. Take one of those areas this week maybe one a day, and just focus on the one that's compelling to you where you feel like you have the most growth and go to the Lord and say, God, help me in this area. Now I'm going to tell you, if you say help me in this area, you're probably going to get challenged. So be ready. But he's with you. He's with you. And we want, when all things pass away, we want to go to the Lord and say, I hope I loved better and better, and better, every year of my life. Father, we love you today, and we thank you, God, for your grace, and your mercy, and your kindness. Surely, you treat us better than we deserve, and we say today, Lord, when we read that chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, we see you. We see your kind of love. May we all receive it well, your love, and may your love transform us. God, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us when we're easily angered. Forgive us for dishonoring others. Forgive us for when we've sought for ourselves rather than putting others first. Lord, help us to love well. Help us to forgive well. Help us to be transformed into your likeness and image. And I pray over every couple, Lord, that they would be able to, Lord, look and say, I've made the decision to love you. I've made the decision to care for you. It's my covenant to you. And I will do it with a sincere heart. We love you and honor you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.